0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: When there is eternity future, because he's all future, but right now in Scripture, there is a time block in Scripture. So he's doing this in history. Now, to define history, I'll give that to you right now. Here's the definition of history, real simple. It is His story in time. It is His story in time. His meaning God's Christ story in time. That's what it's all about. So I want you to know that we become a part of God's eternal blessing. While those who do not trust Christ as Savior, who are not a part of God's forever family or the elect, we might say, they will be a part of this too, but they're going to spend eternity dying in a Christless hell. Now, yes, it's like a wandering star. Yes, there'll be flame, all that horrible stuff. But technically, my personal opinion, I think I can back it up with scripture, is this. I think the worst part about anybody being in hell for eternity is being separated from Jesus Christ and his glory for all eternity. But for the rest of us, that's a blessing. We are in Christ. He's part of this eternity, and we're going to continue on with Christ forever and ever 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 and ever. It goes on and on and on. Blessing number five. Blessing five: I am chosen for and as an in inheritance." Now let me read the verse to you. Verse 11 and 12, kind of bring them together. It says, "In Him also we have obtained an inheritance." We who were the first to hope, another way to say that, to trust in Christ. Let's just stop there for a moment. <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago when we were covering the first two blessings, if you'll recall, I used my Bible to represent Christ. Then I took a piece of paper and I took that piece of paper and I dropped it in my Bible and I said that piece of paper is us when we trust Christ. We are now in Christ. We mentioned to you in the King James Version in uh, chapter 1 verse 6, it says we're accepted in into the beloved one, all right? And I like that phrase, we are now in Christ. I want you to think about us being in Christ and how precious that is. Now watch carefully. In John, it talks about that which God gave Christ would be those who know Christ as their Savior. So if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are like a wrapped-up gift from God to His Son for what He's done for us on the cross. In a sense, Christ... Everything God owns, Christ owns, and since I have trusted Christ, I am in Christ, I am in God, God is in me, all of that together, so now I am the inheritance that Christ gets. I am part of God's inheritance to the Son. So that's why it's kind of like a, uh, it's hard, it's like a tension of two truths, okay? And so I am that inheritance, I am that special to God. But in this context, I believe we now receive an inheritance from the Lord. How precious that must be. Let me tell you a humorous story, if you don't mind. <clears throat> a number of years ago, I had a uh, I had an aunt. Her name is Mildred. Now, in the Pons family, we all have weird names. My first name is Stanley. My middle name is Rudolph. All right. My other uncle's name Clarence. I mean, that's as far as I want to go. But we just we're not given Rocky and all those nice names. You're know, never given these kind of names. Mildred died. She had no children. So she gave her inheritance to my brother, to my sister, and to me. My sister and brother knew her better because they lived closer together. We were always doing ministry somewhere, so we really didn't have a lot of time with family. Well, my brother then, um, he writes me this letter about a month later, and he says, I want you to know um, what I did with the inheritance that I got. And so he sends me this pic- many pictures of him leaning on, a canary-yellow Mustang. Albeit it was used, but a really sharp... He's leaning on it. He's sitting in it. He's looking in the hood. He's smiling. He's pointing at it. You know, this is his inheritance. He says, look what Millie left me. In fact, I'm so excited, I named my car Millie for Mildred. Well, when I got that, you can imagine, I was a little, oh, man, what do I have to show for it? What we did with the money is that uh, we paid some bills, then we gave the rest to the Lord's work. That's just kind of how we operated. We didn't need a fancy car or anything like that. And then they sent me another picture. And I thought, I'm tired of seeing this picture of this car. Didn't know any more about it. I don't know if this is from the Lord or Satan or what. You figure it out. About two weeks later, I happened to be somewhere with Carol. And this guy pulls up in a Lamborghini. And he gets out, walks away from it. So I said, Carol, get your phone out. I said, I need you to take a picture. So I, I, I didn't want to touch, I wanted to touch this car. I wanted to climb in this car. Frankly, I wanted to drive the car, but I thought if I, this thing's probably so, if I touched it, it would, it would, it would uh, the police would arrive, something. So I just got as close as I could and I went, <laughs> Carol took a picture. And then what I did is I sent it to my brother and I put at the bottom of it. Aunt Mildred loved me more. (laughs) (laughs) And you know my brother comes here to town two or three times, and he's much older than I am. But why am I telling you that that funny story? There are some of you that probably know that uh, there are inheritance that you got less or you got more, that inheritance kind of go all over the map with different amounts. I get that. That's life. In fact, the Scripture said to give more to the oldest son in the Old Testament, and there are reasons for that. But bottom line, spiritual inheritance is this. Look up here real quick. You've got to own this. Everybody's inheritance with God is the same. That's grace. I put a little chart there in your notes. Would you look at it for just a moment? Because I wanted to show you the difference between an inheritance and a reward. It's all found for those people who have accepted Christ as their Savior. Inheritance, it's based on Jesus' merit, what He did. Reward, that's based on our service. Inheritance is freely given by God's grace. Our reward is given in proportion to our work. And inheritance is... The condition is being a son or a daughter. And the condition is being a laborer. When you get rewarded, you get paid for that because you're an employee or something. Inheritance, salvation is based on the birthright. You're born again into God's family. You're His child. Our reward is a blessing based on how obedient you were. Inheritance, we must have received Christ by faith. We have it when we trust Christ. We have the inheritance. A reward... We must be faithful to him to get it. Inheritance is secure. could never lose it. Our reward is pending. We don't know what our final reward will be until we get to heaven and we stand before that unique judgment seat to determine that. Now, why am I telling you this? Now, look up here very quickly. This is very neat. You get the inheritance of God. You get everything that went to Christ goes to us. Now, that doesn't mean you get cars and Lamborghinis and Mustangs and all of that kind of stuff. But everything that God wants us to have in Christ to make us a fully devoted follower of Him, that's the key. Everything in Christ to make us a fully devoted follower of Him is found in Christ, in my inheritance. Now that being said, now watch this, it's real different now. In that inheritance is also given to me our reward motivation. Now the reward part is not to get the inheritance in that inheritance now, God says, now if you want to get rewarded for some extra stuff, this is what you do. And you can go through one through six and look through those truths. So part of the inheritance is not only do you have salvation, you get to heaven and all that kind of stuff, which is plenty, but also certain rewards. Now, some people say, that sounds so materialistic and you're, you're doing it for more stuff. Aren't you satisfied with God? The moment I don't want what God would give me as a reward is like saying that I don't like God's grace when he says, I'm going to grace you with rewards. I want to take everything God wants me to have. And if he says, besides your salvation and all that goes with it, all that that we're studying, he says, I'll also give you rewards if you do this. And so I'm so blessed by that. So again, God just richly blesses us in every way. Now, it may not be found easily on the notes I gave to you. So I'm going to ask you to make sure you're looking at the Bible here because I want to show you some nuance. Go to your verse now. Go to Ephesians. This takes a second, chapter one. Some of you close your Bible because you have the notes out and it's so good. But I want you to look at this, if you will, for just a moment. <clears throat> I want to show you the pronoun change. And there's a reason I'm doing this. I'm assuming this is probably the reason it was done here for us by the Holy Spirit so we can be blessed with it as well. Let's look at it. Watch my pronouns as it's now given here. Verse seven says, In him we have redemption through his blood. In him we. We have the we in here. Verse eight. Us in verse 8. Verse 9, we have us in verse 9. In verse 10, it goes through a whole list of things that he provides for us. Verse 11, it says, we. Go a little bit further through the passage, you get to verse 12. It says, we. And then verse 13, it says what, everyone? You. And then it goes through and says, you, you, you. Now come back up here and look up here. I wondered for a long time why he might have said us and then you. You. I'm going to give you again, and I call it Ponzism. It's my opinion. It's what I think Scripture is saying here, but um, I won't die on this hill. I think that part of this is that he does like a lot of preachers do. He writes so that everybody is reminded. We're all getting all of this. If you know Christ the Savior, we all get this stuff. This is for all of us. And so we're all celebrating like a big worship service. And then he comes back and he says, and you. So that we don't only live in a world that, yeah, we all get this stuff. And we forget that God is a very personal God. Who gets this stuff? The person that is sitting in your seat right now this very moment gets it. You get it. You get it. So for just a moment, disengaged from the crowd of believers, universal church, local church, and realize that God loves you. So if you're here feeling very much alone and you feel like you've been cheated out of life, I can't ever give you back what you've been cheated out of this life but I can make sure through God's word from a God who cannot lie that you can get everything that God wants you to have in your eternal life. And so be comfortable with that. All right, that now being said, let's go to number six, the sixth blessing. This one says, I am included in Christ. And it has one of those paradoxes again, included in Christ. Let me read the verse to you. It says, in him... You also trusted, after listening to the message of the truth, or truth, the gospel of your salvation. Now let me just park on the phrase here, in Him you also trusted. Look up here again if you will. This again becomes so really precious here. Again, using my Bible to represent Christ. Here I am. I am now putting my faith in Christ. I'm trusting in Christ. I'm depending in Christ. I'm trusting in Christ to be my Savior. Now when I do that, the very moment, the split second, that nano moment, I am now in Christ. So now not only do I trust in Christ, I am now in Christ forever and ever and ever. Now you know that truth already. And so in this, it's talking about trusting in Christ, but I'm capitalizing on the concept that we are not only trusted in Christ, but as a result now, we are in Christ. And that's what I wanted you to know. You are included in Christ. Go back to the passage, look at it very clearly. It says, in Him, you also trusted. But when did you trust in Him? After listening to the message of the truth. Ooh, that's a good phrase, but what is the truth? Roses are red, wallets are blue? No the gospel of your salvation now take it backwards the gospel is the message the message has to be spoken so that a person can listen to it. And once they listen to it, then they can trust in it. So I'm going to tell you right now that our job is to take this message of the gospel to other people so they would trust in Christ and they can experience and own all these blessings. So this is kind of like marching orders. This is what, what happened. The reason you got this is because you heard the message. You heard the message because the message was the gospel spoken to you and you trusted in him. So I say all that now to say this. If you heard that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, for the glory of God alone, because of the word of God alone, and you're trusted in Christ, it's because you heard that gospel of truth, and you're a blood-born-again believer in Christ, and you're included in Him. Can I say it more glibly? You're a part of the in crowd, because you've trusted in Christ. You might not be in who's who, so you can be in Who cares? But here's a phrase I want you to write down. It's not who you are. It's whose you are. And once you become the whose, you become his. And you are in Christ. Ooh, I love that. Never to be left out. Never to be kicked out. Never to be lost. Because the gospel is the truth. It's the message. It was spoken. You heard it. And you wisely trusted in him. Blessing number seven. It says, I have the guarantee of the Holy Spirit. Man, we went over this, but the Trinity is all over this stuff. Here it is, the guarantee of the Holy Spirit. So if God can't lie, Christ can't lie. If Christ can't lie, the Spirit can't lie. The Holy Spirit can't do anything that Christ wouldn't want him to do, because he is Christ. Christ. Christ can't do anything that God wouldn't want him to do because he is God. So the the guarantee of the Spirit is in you is because it's an easy little step. It's like guaranteeing God is in you. It's like guaranteeing uh, Jesus is in you. It's guaranteeing the Holy Spirit in you. But it begs a question, so what? Now let's go back to the verse. Having also believed, in other words, you trusted in Christ, hammering it again, having also believed, since you'd already believed, since you'd done this already, you were sealed in him. I love that. Not just sealed with the Holy Spirit. You're sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Look up here again. Again, if I trust in Christ, I am now in Christ. What keeps me in Christ, what seals me in Christ is the Holy Spirit. And, of course, everyone knows that I'm more powerful than the Holy Spirit and I can break the seal. Are you listening? Are you listening? No, I can never break the seal. Can someone else break the seal? Can my choice break the seal? No, I am sealed with the Holy Spirit. And when you think of the Holy Spirit, most people think of him. He's a teacher. He brings comfort. Um, He illuminates Scripture to you. But I never want to take away that the Holy Spirit is most referred to as the power source within the Trinity. And it's the power of God formulated through the Spirit of God That keeps me in Him. It's the guarantee of the Spirit. So I'm sealed. I can't break the seal, neither can you. That means it's a completed deal. It means I have ownership. God owns me. I'm secure in Him. The authentic Holy Spirit, nothing else will separate me from God. I have the authority of God. And then it's also a promise of the Lord. The verse there talks about it's a down payment, it's a promissory note. It means now stand. You have the spirit inside of you. You're kind of a, in Hawaiian we would call it, you're little kolohe, you're a little rascal. And so since you're a little rascal, you'll try to you know, hit the boundaries once in a while. You might even think some thoughts that are really going to be kind of not so good. You'll say some things about me and using my name the way you shouldn't. And you better not because I'm going to get you. But you're still sealed. And that being the case, you're sealed. And the reason I'm sealing you is so that no matter what you do, you can't get out of this thing because it's my promise to you that eventually when you do die, you're going to heaven. So Stan, you don't get eternal life when you die. You got it right now. I'm keeping it for you and I'm locking you in by my power and nothing you do will ever separate it. And my spirit is the one who's my promise to you that you're going to go to heaven when you die. That's the promise. So you have the predestination part where he says, here's what I do. You're part of my family. You trusted Christ as Savior. Therefore, you're part of the elect. How do I justify that? If I get too far into God, I have fatalism. He does everything. I have no choices. If it's all of me, I have humanism. It's all about me. I give it to God. He understands all this stuff. I place my faith in Him. And once I do, I am sealed by Almighty God. And I've got to bring this message to a close. But when I do, I, I don't think there's any better way to bring this message to a close than the way Scripture does in this entire context that we're studying. Look, if you will if you will, from verse 14. All of what we've learned about these seven blessings of highly elected people, all of that is for what reason? To the praise of His glory. Would you say that with me? To the praise of His glory. Now say it silently to yourself. And think about what you're saying. Think about these seven wonderful truths, these seven blessings that have been given to you to the praise of his glory. And he says it two other times in verse 6, in verse 12. My dear friends, I really love you, and uh, I'll give you whatever I have, but whatever I have is so anemic compared to the blessings of highly elected people. So as I bring this to a close, I want to speak to those who are outside the faith, and I want you to know that I, I love you, and I know you're there, and you might be on your journey to discovering God, and I care for that. And I want to give you the time to process this, to ask the questions, to seek the uh, authenticity and the veracity of Scripture. I get all of that. But I also want to caution you that since no one knows when they're going to die, just like 10 people who got up and had breakfast and went to school last week, you don't know when it's over. Will you ever understand all of this? Not all of it. But I think you understand enough now that Jesus is God. You know that Jesus died on a cross and he rose again. And that by faith alone in him, in him, believing, trusting, hoping, putting your faith in him, you will not perish but have everlasting life. So my suggestion would be to take that leap of faith. It's not as big a leap as you think. Place your trust in Christ. And yet the rest of your life, continue staying in God's word and your faith will grow you will understand that you have a more sure word of faith. But do it before you die. Those of you who are Christians, while we are going through life, let's remember it is God's grace that he lavished upon us his wisdom and insight so that we would understand these truths, rejoice in these truths. Watch this. Humble ourselves because of these truths so we're so unworthy for this. And now use the rest of our life as a thank you letter to God for what He's given to us by communicating these truths to others in the person and the work of Christ on the cross. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Next week, I'm going to be talking about how our prayers can really change someone else's life. You want to be here for that? But for right now, That's next week. This is this week. So I'm going to be quiet in a few moments because I want to give everyone who is listening here a private time with God. And for those of you that are not certain of salvation, I want you to know that you can be certain the Spirit of God will keep you safe so when things happen, don't worry about that. But I want to make sure that you have eternal life. And with that, you get these seven blessings and a boatload more. So here's what you might do. You might have this conversation with the Lord. It doesn't have to be these these exact words, but it must be a transfer of your trust. Some people would call that repentance. The Bible calls repentance a change of mind. And it could be even a change of an object that you're trusting. You're turning from what you're trusting in. If it's yourself, don't go there. You'll never save yourself. If it's your works, don't go there. It won't ever get you to heaven. Your belief system, your religious system, your handmade system, don't go there. You're saying, I'm on, I'm on this journey to explore and you're going to wait. Don't go there. You want to turn your thinking to Jesus Christ. And you want to believe that he is the Lord who died and rose again. You want to believe that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Desperately in need of a Savior because you cannot save yourself. You need to stop thinking that your good works will get you to heaven. You need to believe that salvation has only one way. It's by faith in Christ alone. And I want you now to trust Christ as your Savior. You might just say, Lord, thank you for what you did for me on the cross. Thank you for giving me eternal life. Thank you you so much that I could be a part of your elected holy family. And I'm placing my faith alone in you now. And I receive these blessings. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, if you're doing that, I'd like to pray for you. So, in a moment, I'm gonna ask you to slip up your hand. Now I want you to know raising your hand doesn't save you any more than walking an aisle. And I don't do this very often, but maybe today is the day all of this thing juiced up and made sense to you. The Spirit of God says, Now, this is it. You got it. And now I just like to welcome you into God's family, into his body, into his person. I want to celebrate with you because you just got seven blessings and a whole lot more. So is today the day that you connected to the Lord by trusting Christ as your Savior alone, not by your works, religious or social? And you'd like for me to pray for you. Would you slip up your hand? Today is the day you trust in Christ. Never done it before. Okay, Christians, let me speak to you. Take some time drilling more deeply into this passage. Get out your commentary. Read it again. Chase down those scripture references. But while you're doing it, don't over-intellectualize or over-theologize this passage without really capturing the heart of the meaning of a very gracious, loving, heavenly Father who's bestowed these blessings upon you. And we, in turn now, relish this relationship we have with God so much so that we will give our life to Him to make it known to others. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank You for these truths. I thank You that these truths can never be taken away, nor will they ever fade away. I pray that these truths in Your Spirit will propel us forward in our love for You and love for others and the making known of the gospel clearly and the discipling of those who have trusted you as Savior. Thank you, Father, for being such a good God. Bless these dear people in this week as they serve you with a better motive. In your name we pray. Amen.